Hello and welcome to All in the Addicted Gamblers podcast. My name is Brian and we have an interview today of a problem gambler. Jeff, what's up? How are you? Hey, Brian. By the way, when was the last bet that you placed? I placed a bet last uh, July 23rd of 2014. And yourself? Oh, wow. Mine was July of 2015, sir. Wow. Look at good, that. Good to see you and good to see our guest. I'll let you introduce uh, we got an email from Sandeep, Sandeep saying, uh, you know, listen to the podcast. I myself am a gambler and I would love to tell my story. And this podcast only survives on other people's stories. So Sandeep, welcome. Thank you for doing this. Uh, and how are you? Oh, sorry. You disappeared for just a quick second. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, uh, Sandeep, um, you had mentioned in your, the, the email that you have not placed a bet in about six months, if that's correct. Uh, could you just talk about uh, where you're at now with gambling and why you emailed us? And then we'll sort of take it back to the beginning and let you tell your story. And we're just going to mute our mics so that way you sound better. Okay. So about a year ago, I partially stopped gambling. That's partially stopped, meaning I stopped playing on live poker. And that's primarily my method of gambling so far. Um, that was the primary method, but then other leaks creeped in, like slot machines, primarily, again, online, mostly. Um, so I haven't been uh, to a casino in about a year and a half. I haven't done any um, live betting for about a year. And then online stopped about six months ago. So that's the stopping point. And the struggle to get to the point where I had to decide this is not a road that I could travel for my own sanity, for my family, um, that realization took a long while and it was a dark, dark time where even though your brain says, you know, you need to stop, this is not good, you still continue, right, without any remorse, without any, all you're trying to do is to catch up, catch up and it's, you're digging a hole, a deeper hole and, and I had to stop because if I, I was going to drown if I didn't stop at that point in time. So that's how long and why I ended up deciding to stop uh, this endeavor, this process, this addiction, this craziness, whatever you can call it. Sure. And, and when you say drown, what were you worried that was going to happen? So I was living, like many of the stories I've heard, I was living a double life, right? So you put on a front where you are your know, husband, you're a father, you're a working man, you're doing well. On the other side, you're trying to play catch up with the amounts of money you've lost. And you're trying to say, okay, to yourself, I don't know correctly or incorrectly that, oh, this is just one swing away and you, everything went back to normal. The point of getting back to zero, right? Not the negative, because I had done really bad thing with money. I was not careful. And, and there is a trigger point in my life where that happened, where I, everything just had a domino effect. And when I say drowning, I was to a point where I could have lost everything, my home, you know, and my family and, and my friends who... And this entire journey have helped me a lot in ways that you wouldn't think of, right? If I need money for my friend, I would just say, can I get 10,000? And they would bring it to me. That's how my life was. And so from that point, I've I had so many friends who have helped me, I've, you know, and, and I was in a point where I couldn't pay them back. And it was just, it was just killing me. So all my effort was to try to pay them back. Once you paid them back, you're done. You don't have to do this again. But that point never, so I was rushing to try, I was spending 14 hours a day playing poker, trying to make that up. And that realization that this is not going to happen. And I have to be open about this to my wife because she was an, un, unaware of all this debt that I was building. Right. And most of us, like we said, you have a double life, you're leading a solo endeavor by yourself. 
And I couldn't continue that anymore. I couldn't keep lying. Couldn't keep going to the mailbox to make sure that, you know, the mail didn't come in, you know, all those little things that, that just, I hated myself while I was doing it, but I couldn't think of any other way because I had to hide this second life of mine and I couldn't do it anymore. So I had to wake up one day and say, this is not the way to go. And I have to find help. And even though I've tried, right, I've tried dialing the uh, Gamblers Anonymous, calling them and chatting with them and somehow going to a meeting didn't seem appealing to me, right? Even though they were virtual ones. At that point, again, there's denial, lots and lots of denial. So uh, yeah, so that's drowning in lots of gratitude, drowning in debt, all kinds of uh, ways you can put that. And what, in the, in, so in, that, in the six months since you haven't bet, you, have you done this all yourself? Well, really no outside assistance well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't therapy say, or anything like that? No, I wouldn't say that there was your show. I'm just saying uh, the resource that I've had to use, I had to read a lot of books and um, I had to listen to your podcast, had some friends who've gone through some similar addiction stories of their own. So having, finding, you know, people that I can talk to, that, that, I've been very lucky in that way that I can, I have some friends who I can share these with, even though I'm not sharing that with my wife at that point in time. But so since then I've been, I've, so the first thing I did was to make a list of all the money that I owed people, you know, and the credit card bills, the other accounts that I, my wife didn't know about, you know, how much I owed on those. Made a list of all those, opened that up to my wife and said, look, this is what I've done. This is my doing, you know, I'm taking responsibility for it. So having my wife on my side, I think that itself is a big, big help for me. So she has been the pillar that I've, you know, that's helped me together and helped me in the recovery process. That's really great. And I'm sorry, Jeff, go ahead. I was, I was, um, I was going to ask you about that. Um, how was it telling your wife? Oh, actually, we've, sometimes we fear, you know, the reaction more than what the reaction was. And I was so scared of this, you know, so entire day. So I, I think what I did was I was at work and I sent her a link to one of the podcasts. And I said, can you listen to this? And she said, okay. She didn't know what this was about. So I was trying to, you know, prepare in some ways. And then I made her, made the list of, you know, the spreadsheet with what I owed, who I owed, how much I owed. And then I sat her down and said, okay, uh, so you heard that I, I am a gambling addict. And I told her, and she never believed that because if you look at my results, I've done well in poker, you know, relatively, but she didn't know about the slot machines and everything else that I, she like slot machine. This is from a guy 10 years ago would, you know, look at people in Islamic. These are like zombies here. What are these guys doing? And I became that guy, you know, but she wasn't aware of that transition, right? So, so uh, she was actually, she was very supportive. And she wasn't, I was expecting a lot of screaming, yelling, none of that. It was all support, all love. So uh, eternally grateful. So she knew you were playing poker. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because I would, um, I mean, I've been actively playing poker for 10 plus years, right? So and did she know the frequency and, and, and the amounts that you were, well, she wasn't, so the amounts, uh, it never, because I was taking care of most of the finances, the amount never really showed up until two years ago. So I, so I have to go back in time to give you a little bit of context. So I did not gamble until I came here to the United States, right? So 2002, three, um, I started working and uh, at the bank, we had a transition project that we had to stay overnight and some of the co- coworkers bought some poker chips and they were playing. I had no clue what they were doing. But then one day they showed me and then I was fascinated with the idea of a bluff. I'm like, what does that even mean? 
So my mindset is very, very obsessive mindset. So I had to learn what this was because I love games. I used to play a lot of chess. I played university chess in India. So chess was my competitive thing. I used to play cricket. Coming here, I was completely trapped. No ways to compete in anything. You know, it's difficult, right? So this gave me some options. So I spent hours at Barnes & Noble reading all the poker books that you could find. Get coffee, read books. That's what I did. And that's how I've taught myself a lot of stuff in life. So here's another you know, project. Let's learn something. So I started playing poker. I got some initial success, you know, and then I started traveling. We would go to Oklahoma to travel, to play poker. So my wife was well aware because we had a group of friends. We would go on a trip to the casino and we were, you know, just a couple. We didn't have a kid then. So it was a fun thing that all of us did. I would go play my poker. She would hang out with friends at the casino. We would do that as a trip. And it was not at, at any point where it was a big deal. So I had every summer we'd go to Vegas. You know, we would spend a month there. We even lived there in, for a month when we were building our house five years ago. So, so just to give some context about how old were you when you began to learn about poker? So I would say I was around 27, 28. So, and before that, was no. there any kind of gambling in your life? No gambling at all. None mm. whatsoever. So no, no amount. And even when I was in the casino initially, all I did was play poker. And I still remember we have one Indian casino here in Texas in city called Eagle Pass, which is close to the Mexican border. Uh, so the transition of, I mean, it's funny how, so from looking up what is a straight and what is a flush to finding uh, bar poker, where you would go to a bar and, you know, finding friends, from that to transitioning to go play small stakes casino poker, and then going around different states and to end up in Vegas, that was a transition that took about two years, you know, and so... No gambling, but then I found friends, then I found a community where you had now, for us, if we were very new to Texas and San Antonio. So it, I added, you know, a group of friends. We all had the same passion, right? We all wanted to play poker. So that's how camaraderie and the game of poker came into our lives. So we made lots of friends. We still are friend, have lots of friends from poker. Most of my friends are from poker. So, so that's the, uh, yeah, so poker came into my life around that time. And you, uh, you said you were playing bar poker, but you also played in tournaments in Vegas. Oh, yeah. So the bar poker was, you know, initially to learn because it was free. They would, you would go play. They would give you some gift cards if you won. And so from that, transitioning to the only casino in Texas where the, uh, in Kickapoo, playing there for a while. Then you have to go on to the, you know, bigger and better things. Then you go on, go to Oklahoma there, play there. Um, and all this while, I'm still pursuing this as a sport, as a game. So I'm studying a lot, learning a lot about the game. I'm getting better. I think I'm getting better because I think in 2013, I went with one of the WSOP rings, you know, so I'm getting there right now. So everyone here is like, whoa, this is a great thing. You know, you, I go to Shreveport. I drove like eight hours or whatever the time it took to go to Shreveport, win a ring. Now your name is on the board. People all, you know, your friends are excited about that, right? Because of our small group, I'm the one who's doing that, right? So then everyone comes and talks to you about poker. You become one of the guys in, who has knowledge about poker here in town. And then, then I go on, I go to WSOP in Vegas, win some there. So the journey keeps going like any other thing where you're thinking, oh, I'm getting better and better at this. And during that time, Sandeep, were you more um, excited about 
winning or about the financial rewards that were, um, you know, potential? Because it's, you know, especially when you, when you talk about skill-based forms of gambling mm -hmm. and, and, you, and your description of your background with enjoying games and chess and, you know, it sounded, it sounds to me like you were very, very focused on using your brains, using your strategy and winning. And I Absolutely. wonder how much of it had to do with the fact that if you won, you would also get a financial reward. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, initially. So if, if you think about it, I love the idea, the, the gaming aspect of it, you know, outfoxing people or that was it, right? We would go play, a friend of mine and I, we would go leave after work on Friday and play till Sunday morning without taking a, maybe a short nap in the truck or whatever. And we were playing small stakes. We weren't winning a lot of money there. We were just playing because we love to play. It wasn't, you know, a huge amount of money that you would win. It's, if you think about the hourly, it's worse than minimum wage in some cases. So it wasn't the reward of that action. And at that point in time, that's all I did. All I did was playing poker, no slots, none of the other uh, stuff that you could think you would win a jackpot where you could make a money. Poker, you know, there's maybe 10% of the people really win-win money. You may get lucky at one point or the other. But, And I was very wary of that because the rake, the house wins more often than not. You have to be exceptionally good to win. So the monetary, I mean, yes, I was excited about it, but I think the game, the camaraderie, the playing it, being able to compete at whatever level was, I think, driving most of it. And as, as far as your job goes, you don't have to say what it was. I, I mean, I know what it is, um, but you're in finance. Would you say that your salary, you're comfortable? You're pretty comfortable? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Pretty comfortable. I, you know, worked my way up the same thing, you know, did really well. Um, and the best part about my job, I've transitioned to another company, but was working from home. <laughs> so oh. I could, you know, I had multiple screens when online poker was legal back, you know, initially when I started before the uh, act, you could play online. And I had three screens where I would play 24 table online and work supposedly right <laughs> and have okay. all my meetings done and i would be we had study groups from people from finland everywhere in the world and we would dedicate our time studying reviewing it was like a work right and like playing chess or whatever where you study you know moves and stuff so i did that a lot so work was fine we we're comfortable we we're doing well it was just us my wife and i and you know she was working also at that time so it didn't come in a way so maybe then we didn't even think about finances as such because it wasn't dipping into our you know lifestyle if you could say that so what's a, what's an average amount of money to buy into one of these tournaments well it depends um i have played you know the 10k buying uh, depending on where you are so let's say the world series circuit where you travel and you play on a short scale it would be about 400 for the small tournaments and then 1600 for the you know the main event if they call it so those were the binds and initially you can start with like hundred dollars, hundred and twenty-five dollar binds, and then you progressively go higher, you know, and then you go an average about one K binds. And this question has nothing to do with the addiction, but were you one of those guys wearing sunglasses when you played? Never, never. <laughs> it's the one thing that I was always bothered by you poker players is those sunglasses. No, no. You're no. indoors. That's cheating. No, 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 no sunglasses. I had the hoodie because it's always cold. Really cold. Oh. <laughs> but no sunglasses what's the thinking back to when you were playing give me a length of time that you were sitting straight without having without getting up 
Oh, I have hard to say, but I would say I've gone like six, seven hours, you know, straight of just sitting there playing just sitting there with without, no break or you have once in a while to go to the restroom if you have to, but I've done like, I've done like 24 to 36 hour sessions, like long sessions where you'd be at the Bellagio or just sitting there all day long doing nothing else but playing poker, you know, just I, obsessive. And now Bellagio that I, is where I, I ended my uh, career of gambling. Oh, nice. <laughs> so here's the thing though. I always try to tell myself that, oh, I don't want to go home as a loser, right? You don't want an L. You want to sit there and get to maybe plus one, and then I can get up and go. So the idea was, I don't want to leave a loser, but maybe I was not thinking that. <laughs> that was just my way of, you know, making myself believe that, oh, that's fine, as long as you get to. But I think I wanted to play as long as I could play, regardless of what the profit was, because I've had profitable nights where I'm up a few thousand, and then... I never got up. So that idea of like, let me get back to zero plus whatever. And then I'll be up that kind of thing. I think that was just me lying to myself in lots of ways, you know, uh, trying to uh, make myself sit there as long as I could. And I've done that long, long sessions when I've told my wife, you know, I'll be home at certain time, let's say 12 and one o'clock in the afternoon. I don't get up, get home till one in the AM. Right. Oh, I'm stuck. My excuse was, I was always stuck, you know, never, able to get up from the spot but she's been always been always been supporting my wife so got lucky there but yeah i've sat for long long sessions so at what point then you're playing poker it sounds like everything is fairly normal when's when can you remember the first time the thought in your head of something maybe i am not doing this correctly yeah so so poker was going well in one of these trips with one of my friends to a casino he introduced me to this slot machine i think it started with kino and I won like a thousand dollars, right? So that 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 was it. And that was now my focus was I sit there for let's say for poker tournaments, you could sit there for I don't know 13 hours and you could walk away with nothing, zero, right? And lose your buy-in. So then I started to, you know, in my head, maybe I should just win my buy-in playing slots. And then I should go play poker, <laughs> you know, and that's, and then some weird rationalizations, right? Oh, I could just go win my next buy-in on slot machine. And most of these tournaments are re-entry. So you could like dust off one buy-in and then you go on for another because, oh, I could win it playing slots. And a, a very interesting source of funding, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's an ATM machine, right? I mean, it makes sense to me. Yeah, it made sense to me a lot of times. And and sometimes you do it and then you're like, oh, so easy. <laughs> you you kid yourself. And the sad thing is I wish I lost in Kino the first time, you know. Yeah. It never, <laughs> you know. It happens to us all, that that first win and you're hooked yeah, and you're, like, you're convinced you can go back. I was reading an article last night and this lady won on her machine and she just kept going back like that. No, I'm going to win. I know I can win. I yeah. won. I and know what I'm looking for. It's dopamine and all that, right? I mean, I wish someone told me that, you know. <laughs> I mean, I always, you know, I learned that a big win early on uh, really creates so much of a higher risk of developing a gambling problem. But I never realized how much that comes into play. I mean, just based upon the people that Brian and I have had on here. Yeah. I mean, it seems like everybody's experience is the same. It's that early big win. That doesn't have to be that big. Yeah, exactly. You're right. Thousand dollars, yes, is a lot of money, but in the grand scheme of what you're gambling and what you're trying to get, it's not that big deal. No, you're right. And even 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 a modest win, but the fact that wow, 
I've got this money and we already associate. Lights. I would have worked three days at my job exactly. to get that same money. And this is fun. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's crazy, but yeah, I, I think so. Yes, that itself right now I'm slowly. So, you know, playing some slots, nothing, no blackjack or I couldn't get into crap. So thank goodness for that. And I've been, so my lifestyle all this year is no drinking, no smoking, complete teetotaler, right? No gambling until I get on poker. So from that to slowly, you know, go into slots, play some table, ja uh, table games, because I think I was hanging out with friends who also, I don't want to blame them for this, but I was getting, you know, into that circle where we all did it. We did a, you know, a slot pool where we have friends put in piling hundred bucks each, and then we do a group pool or whatever, right? So you get in these things, which made you feel good at some point or the other. And if you won, great. You know, I think that feeling good factor, I think took me to a place where I don't think I should have ever gone. But so going to the chronological order of these things. So the work was going well, right? So I was playing poker, some slots, but then two years ago, this is a summer that I was actually in Vegas. We were, you know, because I could work from home. I would go to Vegas every summer, every June, May, June. It's like a family trip, uh, either I go first or my wife and son joined me um, two years ago. Um, I was in Vegas. We get a phone call with my manager in HR. They said, oh, yep, your entire department is gone now. <laughs> That's it. Th that was it. They just called and said the entire, I was working in research and dev. Um, and mine is a technical data analytics background. So I did a lot of big data, Hadoop stuff. So they just said, oh, we couldn't afford the entire team. The entire team was let go. And that, that what do you do? It's just complete shock. In some ways, I celebrated because I'm, oh, I could just get some severance money, <laughs> you know, a year's worth of severance money. I could just go play poker. I could just, why do I have to work? You know, I'm still in the delusional state where I'm thinking now everything is going well. I could make so much money and then, you know, you can look at the end of the mob and say, okay, I've made you know, 80,000 last year. I could make 100 this year just playing poker. Why do I have to work, right? So that I think was the start of the downfall. That The sad part about that is that day I was playing a 1500 tournament at the Rio ended up, there was like 700 players ended up final tabling that one and making about 30 some thousand dollars. Right. I had these uh, chocolate chips for 25 K that now, again, the first high now this like, oh, I don't need to work. Right. I don't need to look for anything. And this, I think started the entire uh, domino effect of my life, you know, and cause now you're like, okay, I can do this. I can, you know, win my way. Don't have to work. Uh, play poker because I love playing poker. And I think from then on started the digging of my uh, grave or whatever you can call it. <laughs> because from then on, I had to provide, prove that I can play. And any loss that I have, I cannot share with my wife because now I'm saying that I can take care of the family by just playing poker. So that I think started this entire oh, craziness because then now I'm playing every day like I said earlier, there are card rooms here. The games are bigger now. You could lose 5,000 a day and you call that a Tuesday. You know, that's how the top was. <laughs> so the games are getting bigger and bigger. Now I'm digging I'm in circles where people talk about losing 50K in a day, like it's nothing, you know? So now you're in a group of people who are playing way higher stakes, you know, poker that you can't withstand unless you have million dollar bankroll, you know? And what do I do? I'm just stuck in a game there. I could have done, yeah, lots of things. But as far as an ego is concerned, you're going to play in those games, try to make the best out of it, and chasing losses after losses. And, and that 
just spiraled out of control. Now I'm gambling online, playing slot machines online, win some. I've had days where I've won like from 50 bucks to 3000 and then dumped them all, you know? And, and, and so, yeah, that led to the point where I had to decide, you know, this is how my life is going to go. It's not going to go too far if I continue in this way. So Sandy, I've, I've had conversations with, with other people that have played poker before, mm-hmm. primarily as their form of gambling. And um, a couple of things that they, they tell me, and I wonder if the same rings true for your experience. Number one is when they started playing in these really competitive tournaments, mm-hmm. first, now they're playing with people that have very similar skills than they do. Yeah. Whereas maybe before, if you had, you know, skills at playing poker, mm-hmm. um, some of the low stakes games, I mean, there are people that don't know what the hell they're doing. Yeah. And you can sort of out strategize them. And and the second thing is that the people that I've spoken with that developed a problem, Mm -hmm. um, they always talk about they were able to be disciplined enough to play their strategy. In other words, especially Mm -hmm. with poker, knowing when to fold, right? Until the emotion kicked in. You mentioned chasing until Mm -hmm. that, that whole you know, I want to be in action. I need to chase. And that caused them to take actions that would ordinarily they wouldn't take because it's not, it's not consistent with their strategy. Mm-hmm. Is that, I mean, is that something that you experienced? It's so true. And what I've seen, it become it turns you into a person that you're not. It's a different version of you when you're in that realm. I've seen professional players berating other people, right? Think about it. The players have nothing to do with the cards that's out there. It's random, supposedly random, right? And they have no control over it. But then you hear them say, you did this, you did that. But they didn't do anything. They were just sitting there. But it becomes so personal that they target the people. They forget the game. It becomes a personal warfare. And it's an ugly world if you think about it that way. Yes, to answer your question, yes, you do turn into, you lose all kinds of uh, logic and reasoning you may have had a strategy when you walked in but it's out of the window when you're down four binds or whatever right now you're trying to gamble you're literally trying to throw dice and hope it turns up and yes and the skill edge i think in the game itself is outside of the game it's in your bankroll management in your physical how do you take care of your health and your mental state because that decides how good a player or how successful a player you are the skill edge, everyone knows how to read hands and play the game, the rules of the game. But I think it's way outside. That's what I, again, my personal opinion, I may be wrong, but outside the game work, you have to study a lot. You know, it's a lot of work that goes into becoming a successful poker player. Otherwise, you're just gambling. So at this point, um, when you were playing poker all the time, were you also uh, finding slot machines to play on as well? I was playing just in your um, free time or? I was playing on when we take trips, right? So now we were traveling. We have, so we have a casino in Oklahoma, this city called Durant, and uh, they have all these tournament stops that come there, like WSOP, WPT. So we travel and we go stay there for a week, whatever the duration. And then during that time, yeah, you go in there, group of people, you still play the slot machine and you play poker, you're spending a lot of money and no ways to catch up. So yes, in that way. And then I was playing some online. They found this fish damn fish game that I couldn't think of why I got addicted to it. I like the bonus, something. And it's 
now think about it it's all about the bonus chasing the high mm-hmm. of winning bonuses oh my goodness oh yeah it, it's bang, it's bang, bang. yes whatever that is and and i think that you know it's it's scaring me like how i could be mesmerized by this wheel that's fun and i'm waiting for that that's it <laughs> you know days of you know just clicking and clicking and, and it's crazy uh, now that i think about it how it was it drove my life it, it's yeah. It's, crazy. it's yeah. you know, I have common sense, but I'm 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 much more emotional than I am logical. Jeff was a lawyer. I think he's pretty logical, and you were self-described logical. You said before the podcast, and it it it. What were you thinking that first time when you went to that Kino machine? Your friends like, let's play this. Were you, as a poker player and as a logical individual, weren't you like, why would I put my money in that? No, that's silly. <laughs> Yeah, we've all had that step where it's silly at first, but then the idea of winning something, like my friends have done it. Hey, it can't be that difficult, right? Pick eight numbers, you win $1,000, yay. <laughs> so they yeah. make it look so simple, right? And then, yeah, I mean, you know it's wrong. A lot of things that like that in life, I think, where you just need one misstep and that's all. It's a fork in the road and you just go that route and it's not the best. Yeah. You know, where your your story is different than mine is, I the first few handful of times I went to the casino, I went with friends. That's how I was introduced to the casino. But after that, I was alone. And that's how I did it. But all the stories you've told so far, it always involved friends, a group of people. Did you get to a, I mean, well, that's not entirely accurate because you were at home online gambling. Oh yeah. Working. So what was the ratio of gambling with people and what was the appeal of gambling with people versus gambling alone? I, most of the tournaments, once you enter, you don't worry about other people, right? So but the trips are usually planned with people. I rarely left to go to the casino myself. I think maybe a few times. But every trip I've taken, there have been friends of mine who either were there or were joining me later on. So, but I remember nights where I have sat at slot machines by myself. You know, I've done that. But as far as the trip is concerned, most of the times it's been with friends uh, or knowing that they're already there and I'll be joining them. But so. primarily it sounds like you were gambling with friends and it was a very social function for you. That was yeah. a night out for you and your friends? Until until slot machine came in and then I would just sit in my own corner, <laughs> you yeah. know, and, and then do try to win that buy-in for that tournament or whatever. But yeah, it was, yeah, but I could see where, you know, it becomes a very selfish and an endeavor on your own. There's nobody sitting there at 3 a.m. when you're sticking money into the machine. You're all by yourself. It's a lonely place all by yourself. Except for the lady vacuuming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Did, did you play high stakes slot machines? Oh, yeah. Okay. I have, I have uh, really, uh, really high stakes. So we went on a cruise uh, in March and I was playing poker, but the poker was really boring because they had one of those digital machines on the ship you know, casino, whatever. Then I found this, this uh, machine, whatever it was. I forgot the name, but it was like a Panda machine. I won jackpots on those. And, you know, on your ship, you can just type in your room number and you can put in, right? That entire trip, I got about my uh, W-2s were 33,000 for just that ship casino. And my wife didn't know anything about it. And, and so I was playing like $100 a spin, on those machines and people next to me were like, whoa. And then, you know, but I was just, I was just, I don't now that I think about it, I was just crazy. I literally no thoughts, no concern about money. No, you know. So you you got $32,000 worth of forms from the IRS. So just to be clear, how did you end up doing? Oh, I ended up, I mean, 
I'm still paying the IRS. Let's put it that way. <laughs> no, but how did you end up doing gambling? <laughs> oh, I lost uh, that trip. I lost about $7,000. Okay. So you, at some point you won $32,000 worth of jackpots, mm-hmm. but you ne- you ended up netting a $7,000 loss. I mean, that you're singing my, my story. I mean, that was the story of me over and over and over again. But getting back to, I was going to ask you about, about, Brian was saying about, you know, your friends and, and all that. And you said, no, your friends weren't there when you played slots. Mm-hmm. Um, did you even want to see your friends watch you play, shooting, putting in $100 bills like they were dollar bills? No, no, no. There was, that's the thing, though, right? You have this persona of a poker player does that, just poker player, right? I mean, you don't want to be sitting there looking like a degenerate, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> even though you are, you, at, at mo- you know, and, and that is something that I wasn't very proud of, right? I wouldn't be out there, look, look, I'm not one of those guys who'd be like, oh, look what I won. You know, if I won, I, it's very quiet. If I lost, it'd be very quiet. It's not one of those things that I celebrated. So yeah, no, never. And, and your friends weren't about to say, oh, wow, look at Sandeep. He really knows how to play slot machines. No, no, no. I didn't have any admirers in that way, no. <laughs> but but I could tell, like, they, my friends were like, oh, I don't even know how much I won. I could tell, oh, you won 960. Like, I could tell them, right, because I know exactly what the point system and how the machines work and all most of the times. But no, none of them were like, we strict, I strictly stuck to my poker playing, you know, <laughs> persona. So they didn't see me degen crazily on slots, so no. It's not something that's out there. So when I assume you ended up telling your friends that eventually this became a problem. Yes. So, um, so last, yeah. So what happened again? So when like in the games I was playing, it was very, it wasn't crazy idea for someone you know, to borrow money back and forth. Right. So I would tell my friends, Hey, I need a dime, thousand dollars. They would give it to me. Some of them even just hand them, you know, hand their wallets to me. They would just say, okay, take whatever you need. And that's how it was. But it became, you know, the amounts started getting more and more. They'd be like, Oh, I'll just pay back next day. I could initially, but then, you know, have a mortgage, a family that I'm doing, trying to take care of right on the side without them knowing about my losses. Cause for every time my wife asked me, it was like, okay, how did it go today? Oh, just went a little bit or broke even. So now to sustain my lifestyle, to pay my mortgage, I, here I am, you know, borrowing money from my friends, taking care of that. Everything's looking good here. And then I'll just basically borrowing from Peter to pay Paul kind of thing happened, right? Now, some of the friends started to recognize it, right? So they would talk to me about it. And I, and I would tell them, yeah, it's okay. You know, I went back and they had a lot of confidence in me, right? I mean, if I ask them for money and they're just giving it to me, so they know either I'm good for it or I would just win and pay them back. So, but my friends, you know, really close friends of mine saw this and they were asking me, why are you playing poker? Then I tell them, oh, I'm here to make money, to compete, all the bullshit answers that I would give. You know, <laughs> Now that I think about it, I was just sick. You know, I'm trying to make reason with them to say, and I told my friend the other day, I was like, I was just sick my, you know, to my friend when he asked me that question, because I asked you this question before, and you said you gave me all these good reasons why you play poker to make money. Because I could, you know, I've had days where I would go in there, win three, four thousand without a qualm, and then now I'm not able to pay people back. And also, I was playing online poker, but with apps and stuff, where the amount of losses kept going up and up. So I was sinking so deep in all these debts and trying to keep up my life. So yes, my friends, to answer your question in a long-winded way they started noticing, you know, and they started, some of them saying, okay, there's just something wrong with this, you know. 
So yeah, they were noticing, and and these were friends that were the were poker players. Yeah, and yeah, they're all now they do all have, you know, a primary source of income, and they're not professional. There are a few professional poker players, but not all of them are poker players, like professional poker players. Do you think any of them? I mean, it, it's it's certainly hard to you know judge other people, but did you get a sense that any of them had a problem? Well. When I was sharing my story, some of them did, you know, share theirs. Like some of them had other methods of gambling, not just poker. They had either sports betting or something else that they, you know, done. They've stopped that. And now they use poker as the mean of controlling and, you know, dabbing in something and then not doing what they were doing to get stuck in the rut. So there are some who've shared their stories, but I see it. You can see the people clearly the ones who are obsessed and are chasing losses versus some who just come in, play for an hour and go home. There are a few like that. And I've always wondered, how do they do that? And how can they come in, be so disciplined, I'll leave at 10 and they leave at 10, regardless of how much money they won or lost, you know? And there must be some product miracle <laughs> that I don't, you know. I just, want to, I just want to ask you one other question about the slot machines, because, um, yeah. If you've heard, you know, some of our episodes, both Brian and I were slot players, you know, and I, I played blackjack for years and then I switched to slots because I needed the isolation and slot machines provided me basically with an escape. I was looking for an escape to numb myself. It sounded like what drew you to a slot machine was, again, trying to fund mm-hmm. your buy-ins at poker tournaments. Mm-hmm. As that progressed, did you find any other reasons of why you felt that you needed to play slot machines? In other words, were you looking for that dopamine rush? Were you looking for the adrenaline? And, you know, and slot machines, obviously, is a lot different than poker. Poker, you have to wait till a particular, you know, uh, everybody goes around and the the hand's over with and, and, and so on. Slot machines, boom, boom, boom. So I wondered how that fit into your playing. So I've, I noticed that the more and more, the deeper I got into the slot machine playing, my poker lost a lot of its patience. I didn't have any patience for poker. I, I just didn't, I was like, okay, I'm here physically, but mentally I'm not here. You know, you're still looking for that dopamine rush that you get from slot machine. So yes, hundred uh, percent, you know, you think of that as a reason, but now you're looking, okay, you think, oh, this machine, I know exactly it's going to pay out, you know, it's you wouldn't believe this, but there are a group of poker players who travel from state to state, going to casinos. They call advantage players who think they know the system, they know which machine is supposed to pay out. So you would watch them, and, and they would be like stuck in a group of people, you know, pull their money in, try to win money from a slot machine because they think the jackpot's going to hit. So now you're obsessed with the idea of hitting a jackpot, not just playing the slot machine, but so you look for the machine which has the high amount of you know jackpot payouts or whatever. So then you become obsessed with that. What is this poker tournament going to give me? 10,000 where you could win 100,000 on this machine, right? So the risk reward kind of thing. And, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm a lucky guy, right? You believe everything that you want to believe to tell yourself that it's better to sit at that slot machine instead of going to go play poker. So, yes, it did. And you know, my patients ran out with poker a lot. And I think that may be the reason why, you know, the playing went down, the winning went down. The, <laughs> so, yeah, definitely answer your question. So, Sandeep, what happened six months ago that you stopped? So, um, it got to a point where I had to find an answer to my problem because I couldn't survive. Like I said, I was drowning, drowning. This is after I had, you know, 
said that I'm coming out of gambling to my wife, showed her the list and all that, even then my mind was racing. It was never, you know, a completely stop, right? It's always, oh, I could play some poker. So then I watched this documentary called Cha-Ching, which is about Australians. Have you seen, guys seen that one? I've seen part of that online. So that's, it's amazing. I loved it because it opened my mind to how dopamine worked and how they were designed, how the sounds are designed to keep you uh, engaged, right? So that started. And then I started reading a lot about my brain and how it worked. (laughs) So that's where I read a book called uh, Buddha's Brain. I don't know if you read that. So, and then finding the podcast, finding the stories, it all came together. But at that point where I had to find an answer to you know, continue forward, right? So, because this life of mine, I wasn't very happy with where I was trying to lead a double life. So I was like, okay, because always in my head, I'm thinking, can I play poker and not be obsessed with anything else? You know, the, about a year ago, I had gone to one of the card rooms and I had borrowed money from the runner owner of that place because to play a tournament. And I sent the money back to him like a few months ago and I texted and he said, oh, I'll see you soon. I'm like, no, you'll never see me. He's like, poker is not gambling. I'm like, that's my gateway drug. You know, that triggers something in my brain where I get the high and the dopamine high, and then I'm chasing it. I'm not playing poker. Logic is out of the window. You know, any kind of, uh, you know, I don't know, all sanity is gone from my mind at that point in time. I'm a crazy person. So I didn't want to be that crazy person. So I had to think, okay, if my life has to progress, I, I need to stop and yeah, so that's pretty much what happened because I was disgusted with myself, what I was turning into, you know, and I guess everyone gets to a point, right? Have you struggled at all with urges over the oh, last six months? Yes, and, and struggles in the sense of my friends talking about it, right? I mean, you hear all these, oh, yeah, I went to go play poker and we and talk. But my urge is always in the sense, oh, can I play this tournament? Can I do this? You know, oh, would it be okay if I just play once? Would it be okay if I deposit 100 bucks in there? Can I play one tournament? Those are the urges, but I said, no. And then I, <laughs> I, I walk or read or do something else. I've been reading prolifically. Uh, so try to keep myself engaged so I don't think about it, you know. But yeah, urges are there but less frequent now than before. You know, one thing a lot of us um, end up finding out is that we've become liars where we lie a lot about little things even, just all the time, little things, little things. Did you find that? I mean, with your wife, it sounds like she was, she was aware that you were, you were playing poker, so you're not running out and hiding, or, or maybe you were. Did you yeah. see any so, of that? Wow, this, this is a, it opens Pandora's box. <laughs> so in... Um, in this thing, I don't know if you have time, but I can share this. All what the time. I found was, uh, to what you were saying, Jeff, all this was an escape. In- initially, I mean, I got, you know, we were married for 17 years. Somewhere down the line, I think I was creating a barrier between myself and my wife, right? We're hiding my, uh, all these things that I did. And there was some anger or uh, hatred from little instances that kept within me that never went away, right? So forgiving myself first step, Right. So I transfer, I know I'm going in a long winded tangent, but I had a lot of hate for myself. Right. So I had to start from forgiving myself. And all these things that I did was to hide that fact. Uh, and so forgive myself, forgive my wife. And, and starting from that point of view, I stopped lying. So I have diabetes. And, you know, my wife would ask me what my meter readings were. I would lie about that so that she doesn't get mad. Simple as that. 
Who does stuff like that? Someone who's trying to hide something always. Yeah, there's stuff like that, you know? And I would shoot, I would eat two toasts and she would ask me how many, I would say one. You know, it's stuff like that. And all those little things. Little why? things. Yeah, little things like that. Because then she was like, what are you doing? You're lying about everything. This person that you will become is not comfortable with truth, right? And simple things that may not matter, but then you're, you're doing that so that your wife is not angry at you. You're doing that so she doesn't, you know, yell. But then that's because she loves you, right? You don't realize that until you, that's what I said. I, you, I think you become a person who hates himself and holds on to things. So I had to let go. And I think that's the first step in this entire process for me, forgiving myself and going on. So six months, you know, on, I read uh, The Wisdom of Forgiveness by Dalai Lama, His Holiness the Dalai Lama, which is a great book. Uh, gave me insights about forgiveness and talked to the senior elders, friends of mine, asked them questions like, hey, how do you forgive? You know, that's one thing I always do is reach out to people and, you know, always ask for advice. People had my, you know, respect. And have, you ever got, have you ever had therapy? No, no, self-therapy. <laughs> okay, self-therapy. It's, it's very interesting. And, and I think you said in the, early on that you just felt that meetings, whether it's in person or virtual, were not for you. Yeah. I, I felt that I, yeah, it just, that's, I may I'm wrong. No, I'm, I'm yeah, there's wrong. no wrong. There's yeah, no wrong. That's how you feel. That's how <laughs> yeah. you feel. I'm, yeah. I'm, I, I, I just get curious when somebody says that. Um, I know that for me, I did, a, I did a lot of reading and try to mm-hmm. research and try to understand why my brain the way it was, by the way, there's a, another book that you may be interested in. It's called addiction by design. Okay. It's specifically about how they design slot machines to get people addicted. Okay. So, um, you know, so it sounds like you do You're doing great with, with all these self-help things. And, and um, you know, clearly if it works, it works. I just wonder because you're so, you appear to be so open yep. with us tonight and sharing and very, and very, very in tune with, you know, how your behaviors were, what they emanate from. And it just seems like that's not the person that I, I would normally see that tells me that they don't like meetings. It's usually the very shy, introverted <laughs> people that don't really want to delve into themselves. Right. So I just, I'm just wondering what about meetings that you feel would not be for you? I love one-on-one interaction, even though it's two of us, I mean, three of us here, but I, I like one-on-one interaction, even at work or, you know, I always reach out to people. I don't have Facebook, Twitter, or any, I mean, I have Twitter for poker, but I don't use social media as social media because I don't find that idea of putting it out there very attractive. Uh, I call up friends all the time, talk to them for an hour. So I love one-on-one interactions. The group, I think it may get lost in uh, how one perceived. I don't know how open they are. Because again, from my limited exposure in a lot, in a huge group, I don't know how honest people can be uh, versus a one-on-one setting, uh, in a, you know. And, and that's why for me, belonging in any group, <laughs> you can never bucket me in a group because I don't like the idea of being in a group. Uh, that's why. Maybe I know I'm definitely an introvert for sure. I, you know, unless I'm passionate about something or I'm comfortable, I don't really open up. But so, yeah, I mean, with all my poker friends, I would do the same thing. We would have one-on-one sessions about, you know, their poker hands or whatever. So I would do a lot of time. But at the place, I don't really spend time talking to a huge group. So it's always been one-on-one. Is That's what I like. I understand that. I mean, when I – I mean, that's why I started the podcast. 
it's literally why I started the podcast because I had done GA for I over the course of seven years. In that seven years, I had been to GA a whole bunch. And then I relapsed again. And so I, I just said, I want to try something different. And for me, therapy was always great because that's one-on-one and that's somebody who's listening to me, but I can't pay for therapy every week. That's a lot of money. So the easiest way was to do this because I could just talk to people and get it all out there. And so um, I totally understand that. The group scares me too. I will say that lately though, I've been, I've been, I've been finding the groups uh, nice. It's nice to take part because I'm learning what other people struggle with. And then I realize, oh, yeah, I did struggle with that, too. I didn't really think about that. So it is, it's nice you know, to get ideas of, of how else to recover and to help. But I totally understand you know, one-on-one. That makes a lot of sense to me. Absolutely. And we all, we all have a common thread, right? I mean, there's definitely a lot of commonalities between all of us and going through the same journey most of the times, right? Different paths. But, yeah, we tread the same way, I think. And since you do listen to podcasts... Why don't you listen to a couple of the meetings that we have on our podcast? I've, yes, I've heard quite a few of the meetings. Oh, okay. All right. So what, I mean, did you get any kind of sense? About no, that? I mean, I love the idea of everyone, you know, sharing what they felt. And yeah, I liked it. But again, not for me to speak, right? But I can listen to other people just because I don't think it doesn't mean yeah. that I don't listen to music, right? So yeah, no, I, I, I love listening to other people's stories. Well, as I said, you know, obviously it's been working for you so far, so that's awesome. And it sounds, I mean, it sounds to me like you've really come to a, um, you know, a decision about what you want to do and what you don't want to do specifically with regard to all gambling. And that's great. And uh, yeah, I wish you only the best because it sounds like uh, gambling has certainly done a number on you like it has with uh, with us and so many other people. So Yeah, definitely. Uh, thank you again. So Brian, the reason I was being open about this is because, I mean, in the poker circles, at least here in San Antonio, people know me by, by my first name. They would know who this person is if they hear the voice, right? So the reason I wanted to be open and honest is if I'm going through this struggle, I'm sure many people are going through the same struggle. So if they have, you know, someone to reach out to, if they want to talk to me, they can, right? They would be able to find my phone number, or whatever, and get in touch with me. So that's why I want to be open and be open and very honest about what I've gone through. You know, the struggle. I mean, there were times when I am gambling so much when I'm looking at the building, like how would I die if I jump off this building? That That, that was me at one point, it was so dark, you know, and I've gone through that. And, you know, I question life, what, what is the purpose of life? Why am I doing this? You know, you go through all these questions and answers. And if it's, if there's somebody out there or one person who thinks, oh man, this is exactly what I, how I felt, they can always reach out and I can, you know, talk to them about my journey and what I've done, you know, and that's why I think it's okay to be honest. And there's nothing to hide, you know. It's, it's one absolutely life. great to be honest. That's, yeah. I mean, and it's <laughs> you know, it's what it's. I mean, that's the whole point of this, right? If if you're not here telling this story, we don't have anyone telling the story, and so we need someone to do that. So that way, the person who's listened to all the episodes and be like, I don't identify with anybody. Here's you and go. Wait, no, that guy said some stuff I like, and I want to hear more. Yeah. And I think our ego drives us initially. Our ego takes over lots of places where we cannot accept defeat, right? I'm accepting defeat to the gambling gods, whoever those are, right? So I'm saying, let me go out of this. <laughs> you know, I, I cannot beat you. And once you admit to that and accept it, I think life is a lot better. And and that struggle that, you know, and the ego, it is. And that's all we have, right? At that point in time that drives us. We can beat the casino. We can beat the players. 
no, you can't. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I really liked because you have these two nice bookends of, I wanted to learn about poker. So I studied my ass off and I learned about poker. And then you got to the end and you said, I need to recover. So I studied my ass off and I learned how to recover. And that's really impressive because I'm, I'm just, I like to think I'm that person, but I'm not that person. You know, if you said, read these three books on recovery, you'll feel a lot better. I'm just not going to do it. I'd rather have the discussion with somebody who has read them, who can break it down for me. I, I'm like you. I like the one-on-one, the one-on-two, you know, I, I enjoy conversation about things bigger than ourselves. And mm. this is definitely that. Um, is your, I mean, has your wife mentioned anything about going to meetings or anything like that? Has she looked into recovery at all for you in, in her being concerned about you or anything? No, I think, you know, she, you know, asks questions and she's involved, but she never, but I think, so that's another thing. She always asked me this question, right? Can you play poker and not be addicted? So she still thinks till this day, she thinks I can go out there and be a good poker player. Can you believe that? After all that I've put her through, she still has that confidence in me and my ability. And because she's seen the amount of work I've put into it, she's seen that. So she thinks, you know, so she never ever, uh, she always thought, you know, this is a passing phase or whatever. And I don't know, she may have this belief in that I can figure this thing out on my own. <laughs> but no, she hasn't mentioned anything about meetings. Wow. So that that's really interesting to hear that. She, she, I mean, she's still saying, well, you, has she, is she saying basically like if you want to go out and play poker again, that's okay with me? No, she isn't saying that, but she's saying that I thought you were not addicted to poker. Okay. Or, you know, or poker addiction is not the cause of all these issues that you've had, right? So that I think is what she's saying. But if let's say if I say, can I go play poker or I'm going to go play, I don't think she's going to be like, no, you can't. You know, she's always been there supporting me, but I know myself a lot more now <laughs> than I ever did. So I would be like, nope, it cannot happen, right? But yeah, yeah. she's um, yeah, she's been my backbone, so she, she's not gonna say, okay, no, not at all. But she'd be careful, don't take the credit card, or because I've she knows that experience or what I've done, where I go crazy, bonkers, you know, <laughs> without control. So she's scared of that. She so she definitely knows that side of me. Yeah, I, you know, it's I, there's no right or wrong answer to recovery. I mean, we all have to do what's best for ourselves. And I think we know ourselves pretty well to know what's best. And if we need to go to meetings, then we'll know we need to go to meetings. And I, I went to meetings and there's a lot of value in it, but it got to a point where I decided this isn't the way I want to do this now. So I stopped going to meetings. Um, and now I'm jumping into the Zoom meetings that Jeff runs and we run the meetings on the podcast. But that's you know, it's a little different because it's not in person. You get to be in the comfort of your home but it's really valuable, like I said earlier, and what everybody has to offer to the group. Um, but I, I don't think there's any wrong way to do it, but I'm, I'm wondering what's your, what's your goal? Is your goal com- to be done, to stop forever? Oh, definitely, yeah. I don't, not to put the burden of forever on you, but. Yeah, I don't know if I can use the word forever, but my goal is not to be in that, uh, in that lifestyle because it's, it's not, I cannot, I'm an obsessive person, right? I, I cannot just go in there for one hour and come back. It's not in me. So why even go there in the first place? That's, that's how I think. Yep. <laughs> so that's my goal. Um, not to, because I was doing, I mean, I was justifying it saying I have to pay so many people so much money. I have to take care of all these things. I have to gamble to get it back. That was kind of, you know, definition of insanity, right? Trying to do the same thing. And mm-hmm. so what I was, and my friends who still I owe money to haven't come back and said, 
I need this. They know the journey that I'm going through, the struggle. And I will never forget, you know, that's one, one of those things. Um, the, so the idea of uh, accepting that the money will be paid out, it takes its time. You, can, you cannot rush it by going to the casino. I have accepted that, right? So no, I prob- the idea is never to go into that lifestyle because it's very uh, encompassing not very proud of it not it's nothing good comes out of it maybe some people enjoy it um, but i've seen really do dark stuff in the, the gambling world and don't ever want to do that you know so and and just to be clear you're you're not ignoring but you're 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 good right now with where you're at and you're comfortable and you don't feel that you need anything or you're you, you feel like you know i'm doing this and i'm good yes uh, and okay. i think yeah so far so far uh, who knows how it's going to go. But so far we've played a lot of, you know, changed that of trying to learn how to write. So I've started a small blog, you know, put stuff out there uh, and reading. And then we play a lot of board games with my wife. We spend time together as a family doing stuff like that. So That's I'm great. myself in ways where I'm spending a lot more time. Cause there was a time last year when I would get up at seven, go to play poker at 11, get home at 4am and do the same cycle for days. I never saw my family, you know, and so that's when, you know, it, so now I'm trying to recoup all that time lost, spending that's great. Time and doing stuff that we enjoy as a family. So yeah, trying to stop and never go back to that lifestyle again. All right. Well, Sandeep, if you, do you have anything else you'd like to no, no, say? Do you want to say what your blog is? No, no, no. That's okay. okay the person, <laughs> I'm learning how to write. I'm, it's, I'm so, but I, all I want to write about is how compassion and how, I strongly believe as humans, all of us are tied together. And I think compassion ties us together. And there needs to be a lot more compassion in this world. And so that's what no, all my writing. Ever. Yeah, writing is, writing is all going to be about that. Just to make sure that we open our eyes to how this world is, right? Because sometimes we get lost in our own bubbles, even though we live in a bubble bubble. But, you know, it's my journey, my task, my world, my house, my life. It's our life in lots of ways. Your action affects me and my action affects you. So that's the message I want to spread, right? I want to talk to people, write about it. That's my goal, end goal. Well, that's a, that's a great message to end on. So uh, on behalf of Jeff and myself, Sandeep, thank you so much for doing this. We really appreciate it. You're welcome. And thanks for having me, guys. Oh, of course. Anytime. And feel free to come back and update us on where you're at. Sure. we Will do. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening.